Olympic Training Center in Beijing, and he was baptized as a Christian. And with him in the water was a man named Casey Lee. And Casey uh, was his coach, who not only serves as coach, but he also serves as the spiritual mentor for the entire archery team. And therefore, uh, coach believes that when you got a strong faith in the Lord, um, it makes archers better. It makes them better competitors. It helps quiet their minds so they can focus. And so that being the case, Coach Lee has created Bradley Ellison's uh, Olympic training schedule. And he does so with both spiritual and also uh, archery-related uh, goals. Coach said, I give Brady six tasks every day. And included in those six tasks is A, reading the Bible, and B, spending time in solitary prayer. And guess what? He's doing it. And therefore, Brady has become a very excellent archer. But Coach Lee said, I've always found it more difficult to um, train team members who don't share the same beliefs as I do. But sooner or later, he says, they're going to see Jesus in me. Sooner or later, they're going to see Jesus in me, and that is exactly what I want. Coach Lee said, all I want him to see is that I am a witness for Jesus Christ, not just their coach. I'm a witness for Christ, not just an instructor in archery. All I want them to know is, is that we can all change because of Jesus Christ. Man, that's good news, ain't it? I mean, it's awesome that no matter who you were, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been a part of, you can be different because of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's great news. And it's interesting to me that how uh, the good news of Jesus Christ leads into very fond memories. And I reflect back of all the fond memories that I have that are a direct result of the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, I find it a whole lot easier to recall good memories than I do bad memories. But as a Christian, I want to ask you, do you have any fond memories as a Christian? When you look back at what God has done in your life, are you able to recite easily or recall easily some of the miraculous things that God has done both in your life and also through your life for his glory? Well, I want to tell you today that if you're living the good life in Christ, you do. Or you certainly will have fond memories. They may be at home. They may be here at church. They may be with your biological family. They may be with your church family. But you're going to have some fond memories as a result of your relationship with God through Jesus the Christ. You know, I recall one very fond memory on June 13th, 2004. I had just finished preaching a message that was entitled, Victory in Life's Greatest Battle. Would you all like to hear that message? It's a good one. I'll share it with you one day. Amen? Anyway, after I shared that message, Victory in, in Life's Greatest Battle, this 25-year-old man who had been struggling with addiction came forward and he asked Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. While that had a great bearing on me, and I was excited that he came to Christ. What happened after that 
was almost equally as exciting. Because on the way out of the sanctuary, his nine-year-old son, Jesse, motioned down to me, and down to his level, and from his wheelchair, he said, I will never forget you. And I thought of that handicapped little boy and the fond memory that I'll always have of him. That was a long time ago, 15 years ago, and it's like it was yesterday. I also remember on an outreach visit, I was talking about the Grow Outreach Ministry. Uh, this was actually at another church that I was attending at the time, but uh, we were out on an outreach visit one day and uh, sharing the good news, and I knocked on this one lady's door, didn't know who it was, knocked on her door, and she came, and uh, I shared uh, the gospel with this young black lady named Vanessa. And after I shared uh, her being a single mother and going through all the struggles uh, that single moms go through, um, she asked Jesus to be the Lord of her life right there in her own living room. Man, that was a great, great memory. And it was directly as a result of the good news of Jesus Christ. I remember the very first person I ever baptized. It was right there in that baptistry. Her name, Sheila Nugent. At the time, Sheila was a very sick girl. She actually had a pick line up in her upper arm, but she was determined she was going to get baptized. What'd she do? She wrapped that joker in plastic, and we baptized her. And now it thrills me to know that Sheila is very, very healthy and that she's also raising a precious, precious son. I remember baptizing this one hoodlum, my own brother, Eric. He was as much a hoodlum as I was. Amen. But I baptized him right there in that baptistry. What a fond memory. And it was all because of the good news of Jesus Christ. What precious, pleasant, and fond memories we have because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Who does not like good news? We all like good news, amen? Who doesn't like fond memories? We all like them. You'd be crazy not to. But in today, today's God's word tells us of some good news and some very fond memories that Paul had as a direct result of his relationship with the family of God. The children, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ at the church in Thessalonica. And I'm going to be sharing from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. That's on page 1049 in the Bibles in front of you. And I'm going to be sharing uh, verses 6 through 10. Follow along with me if you will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul writes to that church, that, remember that small persecuted church. I, it could just as well have been Bethel, amen? That small church. And he says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news. Say good news. Good news. Good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance. Say fond memories. Fond memories of us greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all of our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. 
For what thanks can we render? In other words, how can we thank God enough for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect or supply what is lacking in your faith. Right off the bat, Paul, Paul identifies that good news and fond memories come when faith is working. Again, look at verse 6. Now Timothy has come to, you, come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love. And he's telling us there that faith was working in the church at Thessalonica. Now, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, James, said in chapter 2, verse 26, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. We know that we don't bring anything to the table when it comes to our salvation. We know that good deeds or good works will not save us in and of themselves. We cannot do enough good things in order to save our own skins. Good works will not save anybody, but listen, they certainly are an integral part of who we become in Christ. The good things that you do in Jesus' name provide evidence of genuine faith. If your faith isn't prompting you to do good works, if your faith isn't prompting you to do good things in this world, then your faith is one of two things. It's either dead or it's on life support. So as we analyze our life, you need to look back and you need to say, what kind of good things am I doing in the name of Jesus? What kind of good things am I doing for the glory of God? Listen up, y'all. Being a sitter or a quitter is not an option. We do good things because of our faith in Jesus Christ. I read a story of one preacher who called a meeting. He actually called it a quitting meeting. And here's what he said. He told all the people of the church, they need to quit their evil deeds. He said, y'all need to quit your drinking. You need to quit your ugly talking. You need to quit doing drugs. You need to quit your wild living. And then during the decision time, this older lady comes forward. And he looked at that old lady and said, why are you coming forward? Everybody in this church knows that you ain't done a single thing wrong. And she said, that's just it. I ain't been doing nothing, and I'm quitting. She recognized that she hadn't been doing anything for the Lord, and she was quitting. She was going to start working for the Lord. You see, if a person is doing a little or nothing for the Lord or for the cause of Christ or for the church, I want to tell you something today. It's time for you to get involved. Amen? It's time to get busy. It's time to do something. We're all gifted, and it's time for us to do something. It has just absolutely amazed me how this church family has stepped up to put feet to our faith concerning these compassion children that we're sponsoring. It's just amazing. 21 children are being sponsored at $38 per month to make sure that these children have their spiritual needs filled, their nutritional needs filled, their medicinal needs filled, their vaccinations filled, get this, their educational needs filled, and you guys have done it. And I just want to commend you and say thank you for just listening to what God had to say to you about this work and this partnership with Compassion. 
It's exciting to see God's people doing something. Again, at the 2008 Olympics there in Beijing, America did really, really good in some events. But in other events, they kind of flopped. Namely, uh, the men and women's 4x100 relay. They ran the relay, but both teams, the men's team and the women's team, both dropped the baton. And both teams were disqualified. They were the fastest teams in the world. The best teams in the world. But they dropped the baton and they were disqualified from the race. Listen, y'all, we cannot drop the baton when it comes to living for Christ. We cannot drop the baton when it comes to doing the work of the Lord, doing the work for his glory. It's so very important. We've got to keep the faith. We've got to do the work. And we have to continually keep telling that message, that glorious, life-giving message that Jesus Christ saves. Amen. You've got to tell that message. Good news. And fond memories, they come when our faith is working. But I found also in this passage that good news and fond memories also come when fellowship is enjoyed. We like the fellowship, don't we? Come on. We like the fellowship here. Well, listen to the, the church at Thessalonica. He said uh, that you always have good remembrance or fond memories of us, greatly desiring to see us. See, that's what fellowship is. I know you're there. I know you're my brother in Christ. I know you're my sister in Christ. But if I don't see you, man, we ain't fellowshipping. I got to see you. I got to be with you. Uh, it's so important. Same thing with this church at Thessalonica. Greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. And then in verse 10, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may, again, see your face. I want to see your face. I want to be with you and supply what is lacking in your faith. I read about two strangers that uh, had come to church, come to visit the church several Sundays, but not one person in the church spoke to these two visitors. The first visitor said, I'm going to give this church one more chance. And if somebody doesn't come and speak to me next Sunday, I ain't ever going there again. The second visitor said, well, I don't really like that unfriendly church. And if nobody speaks to me next Sunday, then I'm going to speak to somebody. So the next Sunday it happened that the first visitor sat in front of the second visitor. And sure enough, not one church member greeted either one of them. And so the first visitor stood up at the conclusion of the service and he's ready to stomp out of the service, never to return again. Until he was stopped by the second visitor who put out his hand and said, Good morning, sir. It's glad to, I'm glad to see you. That was a great sermon, wasn't it? Bill Barlow preached that sermon, amen? <laughs> Both of those visitors were pleased. Both of those visitors had made a friend. Both of those visitors continued to come and be a part of the fellowship of that church. You know, nobody likes an unfriendly church. Can I get a testimony about that? Amen. Who's going to go to an unfriendly church, right? You know, you may not be able to do much. You may say, you know what? Man, I got so many demands on my time, I can't do much. Man, I'm in such poor health, I just cannot do much. Man, for whatever reason, I just cannot do much. But there's one thing you can do. When you come to this church house, you can greet a visitor or greet a brother and sister in Christ. Amen? And you will build a world, a world of blessing if you'll just do that. Because when we meet here, 
we should leave here encouraged. When we meet here, we should leave here loved. When we meet here, we should leave here strengthened in our faith so that we can go face the world and make a difference for crying out loud. Amen? Boy. And listen, if that don't happen, maybe you're the one that needs to stand up, get out of your comfort zone, and go say hello to somebody. Go give somebody a hug. Go tell somebody how much they're loved by you and by the Lord. So with that being said, I want to do something special this morning. I'd like for everybody just to stand up this morning. I know y'all rolling your eyes, man. Y'all were just getting comfortable. Y'all just getting cozy, wasn't you? Everybody stand up. Now I want you to start thinking. Put your thinking caps on here for a second. And I want you to turn around and look around. And I want you to find one person. You may not even know their name. You may say, I've met them five times before, and I can't remember the name. But you know what I always call them? I always call them, hey, brother. <laughs> hey, sister. Hey, man, that's what I do, right? I mean, if you forget, you forget. What do you do, right? So I want you to identify one person kind of close to you. How many people, Joan? How many people? One person, Joan. We'll be here to the end of the service if we let Joan have free, free reign here. One person. So be thinking. Be looking. Somebody you hadn't seen in a while, somebody you may not even know their name. And when I say go, I want you to go and give that person a hug and say, you are awesome and Jesus sure does love you. What are you going to say? You're awesome and Jesus sure does love you. Okay, ready? Everybody got their person identified? Everybody got the person identified? And go! <laughs> you know my name, man. You're awesome. <laughs> You're awesome, man. I love you. <laughs> You're awesome, and Jesus loves you. <laughs> You're awesome, and Jesus loves you. You are too. You're awesome, and Jesus loves you. I'm getting more for my buck here. You're awesome, and Jesus loves you. You're awesome, and Jesus loves you. I know. <laughs> You're awesome, and Jesus awesome. loves you. <laughs> we so enjoyed your visit. Great, we had a great time. Oh, I know that uh, somebody said you can hear you all in the hospital. <laughs> well, you know, if I was in there, big mouth, right? Uh, well, you know how it is, man. Preacher got to say hi to everybody. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, everybody, back to your places. Don't sit down yet. Don't sit down yet. Don't sit down yet. Everybody, back to your places. Brenda, that's two. Where's Joan at? Joan, get it back in your seat. I saw what you're doing. Joan, get your tail back over here. All right, if this sermon goes 45 minutes, you know why. Blame it on Joan. Amen. I'll preach 45 minutes anyway, Warner brother. That's good. All right, here's the question. How many of y'all feel horrible right now? Man, don't nobody feel bad, right? Everybody should be encouraged. Everybody should be loved. Everybody should feel blessed and strengthened. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, be seated. I pray that our fellowship here at Bethel Baptist Church continues to grow just like that. In fact, you know, I love hearing people brag on Bethel. 
You know, when I'm out and about and visiting and stopping at hospitals and funeral homes, sadly, uh, you know, people say, they say this, man, that's one friendly church you go, you go to. Bethel's one friendly church. People need a friendly environment, amen, where they're willing to listen to the gospel and the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. So, not only does our faith working cause fond memories, not only does fellowship enjoyed cause fond memories, but finally, good news and fond memories come when we stand fast in the Lord. Every one of us goes through a struggle. As I look around this congregation, I can think of a struggle that each one of you have had in some form, shape, or fashion. Something you're battling, some struggle you've had in your family, some difficulty that's gone on, but yet I see you sitting here amongst the body of Christ, standing fast in the Lord. That's what he calls us to do. Listen to what he said to the church at Thessalonica in verse 8. For now we live, get this, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render? How can we thank God enough for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sakes before our God? See, I found that there are two kinds of people in this world. There are those people who can do, and there are those people who will do. Everybody can do something, but not everybody is willing to turn that can do into a will do. I want to challenge you, if you've ever heard us talking about something here at church and you say to yourself, you know what, I can, I can do that. Can I challenge you to turn your can do into a will do? See, there are some basic rules for success in every organization, in every church. And the basic rules of success are as follows. Number one, you have to know what you want. You have to identify what you want. Number two, you have to find out what it takes to get it. Number three, you have to be willing to act on what you find. And you have to keep on keeping on. A good friend of mine sent me a text this week. And after last week's sermon where I was moaning and groaning about the enemy coming against my faith, he said, you keep on keeping on. We all have to keep on keeping on. So let me ask you this. Do you know that you want to be more like Jesus? Anybody? Do you want to be more? Amen. I like them hands going up, man. We all ought to do that, right? Two hands. If you know you want to be more like Jesus... Are you willing to find out what God's word says about it? Amen? See, that's where you're kind of putting feet to your prayers, right? I want to be more like Jesus. How do I find out how to do it? I've got to read the word, right? But we can't stop there, right? Because not only do we want to be more like Jesus, not only are we going to read the word of God to find out how to do it, but we're also going to be willing to act on what we find. That's the tough part, isn't it? That's where some surrender comes in. That's where some submission comes in. That, that's where some yielding the flesh and some yielding of self comes in to allow the Holy Spirit to take full charge. Will you keep on keeping on after you find out what it is that makes you more like Jesus? 
Will you keep on keeping on acting on what you find? Will you keep on keeping on even when it becomes tough to do so? That's when the rubber hits the road. That's when the challenge comes. You see, the will to persevere, the will to persevere is often the difference between failure and success. Are you going to keep on keeping on in the faith? Are you going to keep on keeping on for Jesus? Are you going to keep on keeping on serving the Lord for his glory? It reminded me of an illustration that I had read about Chris Neroe. And Chris was a high school student who was going out for the cross-country team. First of all, something had to be wrong with that kid, right? Uh, can't imagine running long distance. But anyway, after one day's practice at cross-country, he couldn't see how some of the guys were doing it. It was just incredible. Some of the guys ran, they got to the finish line, and man, they were just fine, hardly breathing hard. But he said, I gave up a mile short. I gave up a mile short, and even when I did so, I felt like I was dying. That'd be me, right? <laughs> but finally, the coach gave him some very valuable advice. He said, good runners understand that their will gives out before their body gives out. And so they just learn to persevere. You know, I think that helps us a lot in our Christian race too. A lot of times, if we're honest, our will gives out before our body does. See, we have authority over this body, don't we? We have control over this body. And so oftentimes our will gives out before these bodies do. It's a race of the will. The more important question probably is this. How strongly do I desire to honor God? How strongly do I desire to please the Lord in every way? That's really kind of what it boils down to. And I like how William Carey, the, the father of modern missions, said it. He said, my only genius is I can plod. I didn't even know what plod meant until he clarified that. He said, I know how to persevere. I know how to keep on keeping on. And to that, I owe everything. Do you plod in your Christian race? Do you plod in your Christian work? You know, one of the saddest things that I've ever heard is... This statement, yeah, uh, they gave their lives to Christ, but then they dropped out of the church and quit coming. Is that not sad? How many people do we know that have walked these aisles, been baptized in that baptistry, and then walked out the back door at some point or another and said, that's it. I'm not coming back. When something like that happens, one of two things probably is the culprit. One, either the circumstances of their life became so severe that they kind of lost hope. Or, maybe their brothers and sisters in Christ really let them down. Sometimes we get second chances with folks. Maybe some of you are 
the beneficiaries of second chances. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to invite or to invite again someone who once attended here at Bethel. May have been a decade ago. Who knows? To invite or re-invite someone who attended and then for one reason or another they just stopped coming. And may I, may I challenge you further? And equally as importantly, is to find somebody that doesn't know the joy of life in Christ and just introduce them to Jesus. Do you know that the only lasting legacy that we have as Christians is helping somebody meet Jesus? Man, you can do a lot of things for a lot of people. You can feed them. You can sponsor kids in Bolivia. Man, you can help them during a crisis. You can help them when they lose a loved one. Man, you can build a house for them. You can give a paycheck to them. You can do an awful lot of stuff. But none of that helps in the scope of eternity. The only lasting legacy that we have to offer people is to introduce them to the Savior of the world. To introduce them to Jesus. See, when that legacy is embraced, the good news is that those people will serve in faith. They will enjoy the fellowship of the saints. They will also continue steadfastly in the Lord. So good memories and good news is only going to happen if you and I help make them happen. So we make it full circle and we come back to where we started. And I said, we are largely responsible for our own fond memories. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Helping someone meet Jesus. See, you only have one life to live, and soon that life will pass. And only what is done for Christ is what is going to last. Everything else will fade away. Only what we do for the Lord Jesus produces good news and fond memories. Those that will go on into eternity, that is. And I want you to know that today, there is an incredible way that you can create a wonderful memory that will go all the way into eternity and beyond. For me, it happened on April the 14th, 1977 when my pastor introduced me to Jesus. And I shared some other fond memories earlier. This, is, this tops the cake, amen? It's when I got saved. It's when I gave my life to the Lord Jesus and followed through in believer's baptism. And I want you to know that he's provided a way for you too. A way for you to have a relationship with him that only comes through Christ.
So perhaps it's time for you today to give your life to Jesus, believing that he died so your sins could be forgiven. And listen, y'all ain't got to be, we don't have to be perfect before we come. You don't think you got to have your act together before you come to Jesus? He'll take care of that. He'll help you with that. Perhaps it's time for you to draw that line in the sand and, and recommit your life to the one who loves you more than anybody else could. Perhaps it's time for you, for you to submit to God, to ask for a new start. You know, baptism is a wonderful testimony of a new start. Perhaps it's time for you to Join this fellowship of believers that is dedicated to loving God, loving one another, and loving our neighbor. Whatever your decision is, just remember that Jesus is coming back one day. As the time may be short. Let me pray for you. Father God, we praise you and thank you so much for your word, how it speaks into our life. And now, Lord, I pray if it's time for someone to give their life to the Lord, to recommit their life to the Lord, to follow through in believers' baptism, perhaps to join the family of faith here at Bethel. Lord, that you would speak to them in a voice.